Amen. Amen. I love the stories that Jeanette was telling, and um, one, I have another one. So we were um, just spending a weekend in Armonis. My parents have a house there, and I'm watching, I follow a kids' church channel on YouTube, um, Kids in Ministry International, where we use a lot of the material they really believe in, training the kids in the supernatural, and I'm really excited about that, um, really happening day by day with our kids, um, just new testimonies. How amazing would it have been if, if you at age four or five had someone teach you to prophesy, to connect to Jesus, to hear his voice, just so such a privilege. And um, I'm watching this video on this channel, and it's a kids' church where they have a kids' pastor. It's a really big church. So there's a room full of kids, more kids than there are adults here now, and um, in a room like this. And the pastor is an adult, and he's um, leading, and he calls up. He sees the one girl. She looks about five, six, seven. And he sees she's like really experiencing God. And he calls her forward, and he says to her, pray for the other kids. And as kids are, she doesn't ask what he means, like an adult would have. <laughs> Um, and she doesn't hesitate, and she just starts from the, the, it, the kids are like kind of all over, they're not like neatly in rows like you are, and they're on a chest, and she just starts on one side, and she prays for the other kids, and she, she actually, I mean, you don't even really see her pray, she actually just touches them, so she touches the one and falls over, next one falls over, next one falls over, and then it's so cute because she's like five, there's kids there who are probably like 12 or 13, so they're really tall, so she walks to them, and she's kind of like, not sure what to do. And then she just reaches as high as she can, and it's kind of like, you know, at the guy's stomach. And she just touches his stomach, and he falls over. And it's a long video, and it just keeps going, and it keeps going. And um, even comes into the room, my kids, the moment they hear a video, they all want to see it. Um, they run in, they're like, what are you watching, what are you watching? Now it's really like halfway in. So they sit with me, and they watch. And I can't remember if it was Evan or Malaya, but one of them said to me, um, can we do it? And I said, yes. It's a good brainer. So I just told him what happened. I can't even remember if I called him straight away. Oh, yeah, I can't even remember. But anyway, so we went into the sitting room because there's a mattress on the floor. And I said to Malaya, okay, stand here. I can't remember which child was which one, but one of them. I said, stand here. And then I said, um, then we can pray for him. Then I just put my hand say it was Malau on her head, and she fell over. And, I, and you know when kids, sometimes they pretend, sometimes they, they make it happen, you know what I mean? But I, I, I could see it was literally, she was completely slain by the Spirit. And then um, let her lie there for a bit, and then picked her up, and then I said, okay, now you pray for Evan. Um, then Evan stood, and she prayed for him, and then he pretended, fell down. <laughs> 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 as a parent, like Jeanette said, you don't call that. You just celebrate because this is how kids learn. It doesn't matter. Um, it's, God honors his heart for being so into it. But um, it was so amazing for me that, you know, for my kids, they see the video and then they do it. For Malaya, there was no, um, obviously, she doesn't have a lot of the reasoning that we have yet. And the reasoning that we have is good. Um, 
the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, like leaning. The Bible doesn't say don't use your own understanding. And I, I think it's a, that's something like a, that's a big context for what I'm sharing today. Reasoning is from the Lord. Understanding is from the Lord. Your mind is from the Lord. The Lord wants to use your mind. I'm frustrated with the idea that Christians shouldn't use their minds. It's not true. It's not of, the God, of God. It's not of the Holy Spirit. Um, but Scripture says do not lean on your understanding. So if this is my understanding and I'm leaning on it, if you take it away, I'm going to fall. So there's nothing wrong with my understanding, but I cannot lean on it. What must I lean on? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So for Malaya, it's easy because she doesn't have a lot of understanding yet. <laughs> it's not much to lean on. <laughs> so it's easy to trust in the Lord or trust in your mommy, <laughs> which is how it translates sometimes for kids. Um, but that's why God says he wants to make us like little children again. And I'm sharing this morning and, and I'm probably going to share a lot of scripture and we'll see if we get to everything. But um, it's actually quite a short message. I'm going to share about the river of God. And for me, this is quite a momentous morning because I feel and I believe that the Lord is inviting us into something. And... I want to read it, some scripture because I want us to see um, the, the pictures that scripture uses. Um, scripture is always right, and that's amazing to have scripture, and the Lord gives us that. And I, I believe that the Lord is calling us as a church into more into his river. And when I say that, I'm sure all of us might have, some of us might be going, what does that mean? What is the river? And some of us are, go, are thinking one thing is the river. Some of us are thinking something else is the river. We might have 20 different ideas in the room about what that river is. And this is why I want to take us to Scripture and talk about the river. So if you have that question in your mind, we are going to look at that extensively. But I believe that the Lord is literally saying that He wants to release us into more of the supernatural as a church. And it's, it's like I can sense it coming. I see it like a dam and to me, it's like the dam is bursting, but it's held with a string. It's, it's just the string. And it's, you know, I just feel like the time is soon, and that's just going to break. And um, I trust this morning that we can all just, the Lord's going to take us a specific step forward in this journey. And I know also when I say the Lord is wanting to take us into more of the supernatural, I also think we might have 20 ideas in the room about what I'm saying, and perhaps 50 questions, and I'm actually hoping that I will be able to give opportunity for questions. So if you have questions, maybe note it or remember it. Um, so let's read about the river. I have two long sections of scripture that I would love if someone would read for me over the mic. Is there someone who's comfortable to read like a half a chapter over the mic? Otherwise, I'm going to volunteer. <laughs> I'm volunteering Kiara. <laughs> She's used to speaking. Who else? Is there anyone else who volunteer? Nama, okay. <laughs> Balance this out nicely if there's a guy. Okay, Ezekiel. So scripture, you can't, you won't believe how often scripture. Scripture speaks about rivers and water and fountains. It's a main theme in Scripture. 
And um, it starts out in Genesis, and God says he created a river that flowed from Eden to the garden to water the garden. Now, that to us is quite logical. I have a garden, and now that it's drought, I have to water my garden with a, um, a you know, bucket or gieter, what is it, a watering can. Um, and, like, I literally know what happens when plants don't get watered. So you can live for quite a long time without food, but you can't live without water. Um, water is this essential thing in life, and it's the symbol. God uses it as a symbol, and he created it in this way to tell us something about him and about the spiritual realm. So we're going to start with Ezekiel. Forty-seven. For those of you who have your Bibles, I know when people read Bible in church. Even when I'm sitting there and someone else reads a long piece, and sometimes I kind of clutch out. Um, so it's long, I don't want to repeat it. <laughs> so try not to clutch out. But just stay with the story. Okay. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around to, on the sorry um, and led me around onto the outside to the outer gate that faces east. There was water running out on the right side, and when the man went to the east with the line in his hand, he measured one thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured one thousand and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river, and I could not cross it, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned, there along the bank of the river were many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There these waters go. Uh, sorry. Um, there will be a great multitude of fish, because, they, because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the water goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it, from En Gedai and En Eglam. Uh, they will they will be sorry I can't see. They will be places for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt, along the bank of the river and on this side and that. They will grow all kinds. They will will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit along sorry, they will bear fruit every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. 
Thank you, Kiara. Very small print. Um, so what are the trees? So there's a river, comes from the temple. They measure it. It's got a shallow end and it goes deeper. The man measures it with his body. So he goes ankles, knees, waist, and then he goes in all the way. Then there's trees, and the trees have fruit every month because they are next to the water. They have leaves for healing. And then it says wherever the water goes, things live. What are the trees? People, how do you know that? Bear fruits, Mamsi? Fruits, Marianne? Planted in the house of the Lord. Okay, so you're saying that the imagery is used in another place in the Bible? Okay, so there's a scripture which literally says that you are the tree next to the river. Who knows where that is? Psalm 1. Okay, so it says, um, oh, let me find it. Blessed are those who do not sit, walk, stand, sit. Blessed is the, the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. So what is the season for fruit? It says the plant brings forth fruit in its season. What is its season? From, from what we just read in Ezekiel. Every month, all the time, whose leaf shall not wither. What did Ezekiel tell us about the leaves? They're for healing. So the leaves shall not wither. So the leaves are always fresh. So the leaves are always there for healing. And whatever he does shall prosper. Scripture in Psalm 1. So there's a river. Wherever the river goes, there's life. It brings life. It's got depths, there's shallow bits, there's deep bits, and there's trees. And God says, we are the trees. The trees are continually bearing fruit, and the, tree, the leaves of, of the trees are for the healing of the nations. What does God use for the healing of the nations? Us. We are the trees, and we are the leaves that do not wither, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. What's the healing of the nations? People getting saved. What else? Reconciliation. Amen. What else? Redemption, yes. What? Yes, thank you. The obvious one. <laughs> Physical healing. <laughs> You're all so deep. <laughs> the healing of the nation. Salvation, deliverance, reconciliation, healing, emotional healing, physical healing. We are the trees. For the healing of the nations. So I'm going to let Nama read Revelations 22 to us. So you'll notice we've gone from Genesis to Ezekiel to Revelations. So we're just covering the whole Bible this morning. Um, verse 1 to 5. So it's that old. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of, and of the Lamb. In the middle of its, of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, 
each tree yielding its fruits every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord for the Lord gives them the light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So the and that, again the same picture, we can all recognize it's the same picture. The river comes from who picked that up, where does this river come from? The throne of God. Where did the river in Ezekiel come from? The temple. Okay, so Revelations 21, if you just go before Revelation 22. So Revelation 21 verse 22 says, it speaks about the new Jerusalem. And it says, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So in Ezekiel, the river comes from the temple. In Revelation, the river comes from the throne of God, because there is no more temple, because God is the temple. Psalm says we are the tree. Okay, so the river comes from the temple in Ezekiel. It comes from the throne of God in Revelations. What is it? What is the river? His presence, his spirit. So a scripture that God has spoken to me, I think about two years ago, but continuously and really brought up for me this week again, and I believe for us as a church, is Psalm it 64, that first one, Jason. 46. Psalm 46, verse 4. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Could you just keep that up? Okay, there's a river. Now that we've um, uh, established conclusively, there's a river. Now God says the river has streams. Okay, so I'm imagining if you think of a map, you think of a river, and then you think of lots of streams coming out of the river. So there's a river whose streams may glad the city of God. So the streams can make God glad the city of God or not. So when the stream comes from the right river, the holy place where the Most High dwells, the presence of God. So the, the reality is also in this world there's more than one river. Okay, there's different sources of life that you can tap into. Um, Jason, the, give me the ones in John, please. There's a river in the Garden of Eden. There's a river that he sees in Ezekiel. In Psalm, God speaks about the river, says we are the trees. If you look at John, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John 7, on the last day of the feast of the greater, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now the river comes from your heart. I always see this picture of like a person with like a, a hole here, a big hole. And it's like if, if there's a river, in order for the river to come from your innermost being, you need to be in the river. 
If you're not in it, it's not going to come through. But if you get in it, then the, in, there's a hole here, then the river comes through it. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, out of his heart. Now this is said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. In Ezekiel there's a temple, because it's the Old Testament. Jesus hasn't died yet. Then Jesus dies, and resurrects, and he sends the Holy Spirit. And it, when the Holy Spirit has come to earth, then the river can come from you. Comes from your heart. He who believes in me, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. Revelations. Everywhere the river goes, things live. It's a source of life. It's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It says, this he said about the Spirit. There is a river that is the presence of God. It's a symbol of the presence of God, of the Holy Spirit. I'm a very visual person, so this, the pictures for me are very real. It's like I can, I relate more to the picture than the idea or the symbol. But you relate it in the way that your mind works. So for me, in the spirit, there's literally a river. And it's the presence of God and it's the Holy Spirit. And we need to position ourselves according to the river. In Psalm 1, the tree that flourishes, it literally says, He who is planted by the river. You can't plant yourself a kilometer from the river. You, I guess you can. It's going to take a long time to grow your roots one kilometer down to the river, probably more than a lifetime, and you might not make it. Um, but if you plant yourself right by the river, then there's life. John, he who believes out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. After Jesus died and the Holy Spirit comes, suddenly you get access to the river. You get to be in the river. Ezekiel was the Old Testament prophet. He is foretelling it. He says you can get in with your ankle, you can get in with your knee, you can get in with your waist, or you can get completely into the river. And this morning I'm driving here and I'm thinking about baptism. And we understand the symbology of baptism. But why did God choose it to be in water? Where did John baptize? In the Jordan River. You know, I'm, I, I guess I've sometimes thought God could have chosen any symbol to show, you know, baptism. It could have been like you eat a specific thing like communion. Or, you know, why is it that someone takes you into the water and all the way under? And where the baptism started was in a river. God is pulling through a symbol, an imagery that he's speaking about, his presence, his spirit. Ezekiel says you can choose how deep you go. Psalm says when you plant by the river, then you flourish. John says him who believes out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Revelation says again, there's the river. Those who are planted by the river bear fruit all the time, and their leaves are for healing, and their leaves never wither. Just want you to close your eyes. Father, and I just want to um, ask that that imagery, Lord, that you would bring that in our minds, Lord. Help us, God, to see the river and to see the river of living water from the innermost beings, Father, to see how it moves. You know, just for each one of us in the specific way that you know us, Lord, 
just come and show. You can keep your eyes closed. I'm just going to read through some scriptures. Um, Jason, if you can just take me through all the scriptures after Revelations, one by one. I'm going to read. You can keep your eyes closed. And I just want, I'm just trusting that the Holy Spirit would establish in your heart the word of God around rivers. Psalm 65, you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the grain, for so you have prepared it. Joel 3.18, in that day the mountains shall drip sweet wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and the stream beds and rivers of Judah shall flow with water. A fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Shittim. Isaiah 12 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Jeremiah 2.13, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hooed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Just pause, and I'm just going to pause there for a moment. Um, here God's even describing that there's his river, which is living and it's flowing, but that we sometimes want to make our own little cistern, which is like a pottery holder. You want to make your own little jug um, for the water, but he's saying, why would you do that? Why would you take a little jug that holds so much water that gets old, that might even be broken? You can connect to my living water. I can bring the next one. Isaiah 66 verse 12, thus says the Lord, I will extend peace to her like a river. And the glory of the nations, like an overflowing stream, you shall nurse, you shall be carried upon a hip and bounced upon her knees. Isaiah 58 the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. You shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Joel 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Okay, you can open your eyes. So I believe, you know, if, if I had to ask now, who likes God's presence? Who has been in God's presence? Okay, who wants to be in more of God's presence? Okay, so I'm glad we're in unity on that. And I believe God is inviting us into more of his presence and into the supernatural. And um, as I said, there's the leaning on our own understanding. And, and there's, for me, a few things that helps us to move in that direction. So number one, we cannot uh, make the supernatural happen. So when I'm saying God wants to move us more in the supernatural, I'm not saying anyone's going to make it happen. And just take that right off you if you had that on you. <laughs> um, signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. Okay, Mark 17. Mark 6 for 17. Signs and wonders follow those who believe. Okay, so we don't follow the signs and the wonders. They follow us. Okay, so we don't go chasing for them. But when do they follow us? Signs and wonders shall follow those who believe. What is it to believe? What do you have when you believe? You have faith. Okay, where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing, from hearing the word of God. Which ways do we hear the word of God? 
Okay, this is the obvious one. This is the Word of God. We have to read the Word of God. We have to hear the Word of God. The Spirit of Jesus is the, the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. Okay, we also hear the Word of God when we share what God has done, when we share the testimony of Jesus. That is also a way that we build our faith. What is another, how do we, so faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing through scripture. Faith comes by hearing testimonies. When we talk about the supernatural, we're talking about faith. We're talking about the realm of the impossible. In, that's impossible in the natural. We're talking about everything that's not what we would call natural. And what's amazing is when you start to live with God in that way that the lines become irrelevant. You don't have to distinguish it anymore. Um, if you can just live in the realm of possibility with God, then there is actually no more impossibility. Um, but I, so let me tell you maybe my story. So I got saved in, oh my goodness, 2006, I think. Four, 2004, I'm confused. But after I was saved for about two or three years, we did an internship at Chauvin Salambosch, and I was friends with Reno. And sing it. Yeah, now you're taking it the wrong way. <laughs> this was before we were dating, okay. He was, he, to him, if to me, it was an impossibility. To him, it was already a possibility. And he imparted it to me. Okay, so in, the Bible says, stir up the gift that is in you, that was given to you by the laying on of hands. What does that mean? Importation. What does it look like? How does it work? If I want to import something to VWay, can I? How? How can I be sure that I can? So I'm, I love the prophetic. It's my strongest gifting, and I'm, I've really trusted the Lord a lot in it and exercised it. If I wanted to impart my prophetic authority to VWay, can I? We're all vessels, and the river comes through all of us. Okay, so, so how would I do it? I'll pray for you and give it to you. Is it guaranteed that it will work? I mean, what exactly are we hoping to happen? If I do it, what will happen? <laughs> it would perhaps not be wise to go into something... <laughs> Not having an expectation for what you want to happen, then how would you know if it happened? <laughs> if I pray for VWA and I, if I put my hand on it, so, so we're saying I must lay on my hand because that's what scripture says, right? I lay my hand on VWA and I say, what do I say? I impart my prophetic authority to you. What are we hoping to happen? She receives it, okay? What does that mean? What, what is that going to change? She can then do what I can do. Do you think this will work? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to suggest the trial. <laughs> what is the requirement, though? 
faith, yes. But if I've, if I've offered it, then there's already faith. I don't think we should... Uh, I think we make too big of obstacle of faith sometimes. I don't think we should... All of you sitting here, you came to church this morning, you have faith. You had enough faith to come here this morning. So I don't... Um, I think we lean way too much on the side of, of questioning f- having faith. We all have a measure of faith. It's enough. Um, okay, so the very important thing is that Biwi would have to want it. <laughs> it would be wrong of me to, to impart something to her that she doesn't want. That's called rude. Okay, God's never rude. <laughs> it's important. God doesn't give people things that they don't want. He also doesn't give it to you if you don't want it. Okay, so she would have to want it. And if I pray for her, the thing is, all of us in our lives, in Christian life, we contend for things in the Spirit. And I was watching Stefan with Maya on his shoulders. Did you see Maya worshipped? Maya, is she two yet? No, she's one. She was, did you see she worshipped? She really worshipped. I'm like, wow. Now that is importation. Stefan has a massive authority for worship. It's the gift that God has given him, but he has contended for it over years and years and years and years. Countless hours that he has worshipped, and clearly that he worships with Maya at home. And Maya is one years old, and she can worship. And I realized, you know, my kids can prophesy. I taught them, and I've imparted it to them. And I was thinking, I'm going to ask Stefan if we can switch. I'll teach Maya to prophesy if we can teach my kids to worship. Because <laughs> mine are five and four, and I'm really still struggling with that. <laughs> He's already done it on a one-year-old, I'm sure. can pull it off. But it's actually what I'm saying is real. Do you know Maya's one year old, she can worship because Stefan imparted it to her? Do you know if she grew up with me, she, she wouldn't, probably wouldn't have been able to worship at one-year-old. Maybe it is a gift that God is giving her, but it, someone else opened the way. And do you know that God, Christianity does not exist in a vacuum, and it's not made for individuals. God is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The very essence of who God is is relationship. And, you know, I don't um, agree with the kind of thinking like, okay, but if I was stranded on a lone island with just my Bible, um, would I then have figured it, this out this way because then it's true? I don't like that kind of reasoning. No, because God never meant you to figure everything out by yourself. That's not how the Bible works. The Bible prescribes the body, the body of Christ, where people are different and people work together. All of us contend in our lives to open specific things in the spirit that God purposes for us and assigns to us. And he wants us to give it to each other so that every person, mumsy cannot... um, accomplish everything in the Bible in her lifetime. She can't contend for every blessing, open up everything in the spirit that the Lord wants to do, operate in every gift. She can't do that herself. I'm contending for the prophetic. That's what the Lord has given me. I'm contending for it, and I'll gladly give it. <laughs> um, someone else contending for something else. The sermon that Peter Wasserfeld did, if you missed that, catch that up. He's contending for something specific, and that's why I asked him to impart that to us. How amazing. And just on a technical point, obviously, it's probably not that I pray for Viway and then she can do everything that I can do. The quantities in the spirit realm doesn't work like that. Um, But 
I can open doors for her. I can open things for her in the spirit that she doesn't have to work for. Make it easier for her. It's a specific grace that she gets. There's a grace on my life that I've perhaps gotten from the Lord and worked for, but I can give it to her and it's free. It's just a grace she gets. It's a head start. Um, and that is impartation. And that is stirring up the gift that the Lord gives to you through the laying on of hands. And at the end of the service, which will be in five minutes or so, I'm going to ask, I want you to think about this now so long. For people, those people who are really confident in entering the Lord's presence, I'm going to ask you to come up, and then I'm going to ask other people to come up, and I want you to pray for them. And it's not, there's no magical prayer. We don't do magic in church. Um, there's no method. It's literally, you're going to say, Lord, um, I declare over Marianne that she will be able to enter into your presence. You see, Marianne's even taking it. You know that the Bible is true for everyone. I love this when someone said this once. You know, so I can close my eyes and I can say, um, okay, so let's take the example of Wojtemelo. He came up, he said, he probably felt someone here um, struggling with the identity. So then I pray and I say, Lord, I just release a strengthening of identity. Now, maybe someone is sitting there and they said, oh, that's me. I'm the one struggling with my identity. Now, when I pray, that person can receive my prayer and will make a difference. But do you know that God wants to strengthen all our identities? So perhaps if you, um, <laughs> Rachel didn't, it, she wasn't responding to the word. But she can say, oh, I'm taking that as well. I've gotten into the habit of I just take everything. If it's true and it's scriptural, I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, I'll have it like Marion. I'll take it. Why not? Um, yeah, so I believe that the Lord uh, wants to shift two things for us this morning. So after I, um, the one is risk. So um, faith is the prerequisite for the supernatural. Okay? And faith always comes with risk. So the one decision that you have to make, in any case when you're a Christian, is you have to become okay with risk. Not foolish risk. We don't risk other people's lives or their salvation. Um, as long as you operate in love, then you can take risk and it will still be safe. And the second thing I, I believe the Lord wants to shift us this morning. So it, there's a decision. Lord, I'm willing to take risk for you and with you. The second thing is, I'm willing, so what I felt the Lord saying for us as a church is he's, he's wanting to take us into a greater me measure of the supernatural. In, he's wanting to take us deeper into the river. And he's not even wanting us to do anything to get there. He just wants us to remove the obstacles in our hearts. So this morning is not like a going forward doing something. This morning is a falling backwards and letting go. And the second thing, that's the second thing, is that the Lord wants to shift some of the fears in our mind that keeps us from falling backwards into Him, surrendering into Him and into His presence. So um, I want to share a bit of what I've gone through. So I um, went with Raina quite a few years ago, before we had the kids, and we went to a conference, and it was quite crazy inside in the worship, um, you could hardly hear a thing. People were laughing, people were um, falling everywhere, and people were shaking, some people were making animal noises, uh, people were shouting, 
and um, I've never seen something like it. So, and I, I couldn't figure out what it is. <laughs> so we just sat through the whole thing, and I just decided that I'm going to engage on the Lord about this. I took some students with who were like very recently saved, so <laughs> I was mostly trying to calm them down. <laughs> um, and for a year, I wrestled with the Lord about what I've seen. And the Lord worked a lot with me through Mark. And I want to read this to you. So the problem for me is I couldn't explain what I saw. I couldn't reason it. And I was leaning on my understanding. And now my understanding was taken away. And now I had no ground to stand on. And I'd experienced the Holy Spirit in that place. I also saw things which looked to me like demonic manifestations, which I'm quite familiar with, having done a lot of deliverance. And the, the, the mix and the mess was confusing to me. On one hand, I could sense the Lord working in a way that, that I haven't seen. On the other hand, I couldn't understand the confusion. And I worked through this for a year with the Lord, and... Um, Mark 6, from verse 30, the apostles gathered to Jesus, told him all things, what they had done. And he said to them, no, this is not the right one. Okay, so Mark 6, so this starts off with feeding the 5,000. Okay, so the, the, you know the whole story. The disciples see a massive miracle. Um, and then it goes on, Jesus walks on the sea, and then it goes on, um, many people get healed. want to find the right place. Okay, so they're on the sea and there's a storm and Jesus comes and he says, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. He went up to the boat to them, verse 51, and the wind ceased. They were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. So they, they saw the miracle of the feeding. Now they're in a storm and now they think they're going to die. They just saw a miracle like two hours ago. Now they're in a crisis, and they don't think Jesus is going to come through for them. And he walks on the water, and still they think it's a ghost. They don't even recognize when Jesus comes. And Jesus says to them, something is not clicking for you because your hearts are hardened. Okay? In Mark 8, verse 11 to 21. The Pharisees came out, began to dispute with him, Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. He sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to them. And he left them, getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said to them, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they said, it's because we have no bread. And Jesus said, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets did you take up? And they said, 12. He said, how is it that you do not understand? So the Pharisees asks for a sign. Okay, what kind of sign do they want? They want a miracle, but they want to understand it. They want a sign that they can validate and that they can understand. They want Jesus to give them a sign that fits their reasoning, that they can lean on with their understanding. Jesus sighs in his spirit and he says, 
Why does the generation seek a sign? No sign shall be given to this generation. Then he goes with the disciples. They're in the boat. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And I believe he's saying, beware of, because the Pharisees were people who really um, were strict and to the law and big on understanding, figuring everything out, writing down numerous commandments, you know, to defining the commandments to the letter of the whatever way it needs to be executed. And Jesus is saying, beware of living in this way where you have to understand and reason everything. And to come back to the context that I said in the beginning, I believe Christians are anointed to use their brains and to think, and that your reasoning and your understanding is from God, and it's a good thing. All I'm saying is do not lean on your understanding, because there are mysteries in God which you don't always understand. So I said to Reino, um, the year passed, and I, I believe I've repented. Uh, so in Hebrews 3, verse 7 to 19, it says, have you hardened your heart to unbelief? Okay, so hardened heart is unbelief. And I repented that through that year. I worked through this with the Lord. I repented of unbelief and of a hardened heart. I asked the Lord to soften my heart. And I said to Rainer, can we go back the next year? And, he, and I said to him, you know, is it okay with you if I'm just going to be open to whatever is going on here? And he said, yes. And we went. And um, I went to sit down. And I, I did get a bit of a sense that people... Um, there's a speaker who's well-known, and people want something from him. And um, I just wanted to make sure that I'm getting something from Jesus. Uh, I'm not going for the speaker. And the person was speaking, and he said that the, the – so he was talking for a long time, and then he said something, and he said the, the, the glory of God has a weight. And when he said it, I'm sitting on a chair, and he said the glory of God has a weight. And I felt the weight on my back. And I'm like bent over in my chair. And Raina's kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said to him, I can't, can't get up. Um, but I walked into that environment, noted um, with Raino and trusting him because I did, I w there were some things I weren't sure about. And I didn't just want to, I wasn't just going to open myself to anything. But um, I, I was opening myself to God, and I said that to him, and I, and I w was with Reino as my covering. And um, so I'm, the, I'm feeling the weight of the glory of God, and at any moment I knew I could make it stop. I could just go like, okay, no, and then, you know. But I've wrestled with this for a year. I was here to engage with God and to trust him in this and to let go of leaning on all my understanding. And then at some point, the, the person said, okay, if you experience, anyone who's experienced something, come forward. And Raina said, I think that includes you. <laughs> and I got up, and when I stood up, I realized that exactly through the middle of my body, the one side was lame. So I walked to the front like this. <laughs> um, and lots of people were going forward, and I, they were all going to the speaker, going up the stage, and then he would pray for them, and they would fall over. And I just had this thing in my heart, like I don't want it to be about him. So I just said, Lord, I'm coming for you. And it was two blocks of chairs with a row like this. So I'm walking from the back like this. <laughs> and the guy is now there by the drum. 
And um, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I just remember walking, and then I just remember lying down. So I just lie down, I don't know, maybe for 45 minutes or something. When I opened my eyes, I was here, like on my back. The rain came to fetch me. <laughs> so there were lots of people in the aisle standing because it was packed. Um, I don't know. How did I get through all of them? I have no idea. I don't remember. I, don't, I was just here, and then I was there. And it was very peaceful for me. It was very enjoyable. Just, I felt so much joy. I was just in God's presence. And at one point, Raina said, we really, because we, really, we had church, it was a Sunday. This was in the afternoon. We had to come for the service. Raina said, we really have to go now. So he, we went to the car and we drove. And um, I knew that something changed in me, but I didn't know what it was. And it was about a few months later um, that things around us happened, and I went through what, what was probably the most difficult time of my life. And somehow, in that time, I had a reservoir of strength from the Lord. I, I was able to strengthen myself in the Lord. And over time, I understood that in that moment, God prepared me. He prepared me for a type of suffering that I would have to go through. And without that reservoir, I don't know if I would have made it. And every time, you know, all of us have our quiet time, we have different ways of engaging with God. Maybe you dance, maybe you like to lie down. And, and every time the Lord does a work in you, that was a big one for me, and we all have big ones in our lives, but there's a lot of small ones, and they are equally important. You can't just have the big one. <laughs> you have to have the daily small one. And every time the Lord works in me, something changes and something opens more and opens more and it opens more. And I've, I know that he's, he keeps on taking me into the river. So you can all stand. And last night, um, we were at Louis and Lenka's wedding. And Lenka was doing her speech. So she's the bride. She's wearing the wedding gown. And she says that she and Louis, he took her to a waterfall a range of waterfalls we have to climb. And it rained just before the wind. So the waterfalls were like completely oversized. And it was slippery and wet and everything. And he said to her, um, let's just climb up and see. And she said, this is a bit dangerous. Okay? But they climbed up to the first one. They climbed up to the second one. And she said, it's really slippery. There's no one else here. It's very dangerous. We've seen two amazing waterfalls. There's apparently like five or six or something. She said, let's just call it a day. You know, it's been amazing great adventure, is it worth taking the risk? And she says, God immediately spoke to her and he said, if you just trust me, you will be safe. And they climbed one more, and she wanted to tell him, no, let's just call it here. And he said, if you just trust me, God said to her in her mind, if you just trust me, you will be safe. And they went one more, and eventually they got to the highest one. She said it was absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. And then God just said to her, there's so much more. Now Lenka is saying, she said this yesterday in a wedding gown. This is the bride of, the picture of the bride of Christ. And the bridegroom is saying, if you just trust me, you will be safe. Come up, the waterfalls is a river. Come up one more. If you just trust me, you will be safe. Come up one more. If you just trust me, you'll be safe. 
As you follow Jesus, the last thing he says is, there's so much more. And as I said about the example with Viway this morning, you have to choose your hunger. Do you believe there's so much more? Do you want it? Like Marianne, when I said it, she was like, I'll take it. I so relate to that. Yes, I want it. I'll take it. <laughs> you can close your eyes. And the Lord wants to deliver some of us of fear this morning. And if, if some of the things I said makes you afraid, you can speak to me. If, if, if it makes you confused, please speak to us. It's all the journey that we're on. And I believe the Lord wants to this morning create a framework, a mental framework for us of the supernatural and of His presence. It's okay to want to think it through and to have biblical reasoning for what you open yourself to. That's good, and I commend that. And if you need to speak to us to build that framework, then you do that. Father, I thank you. And you engage with the Lord with, about this like I engage with Him, and He will also build on that framework. I thank you this morning, Lord, for every heart that wants to build that framework, Lord, in their reasoning. Thank you, Lord, that you grace them with that thinking. Lord, that you help them. Um, thank you, Lord, that we can also choose not to lean on our own understanding. To accept, Lord, that not everything will make exact sense and be explicable. Thank you, Lord, that we can choose that this morning. You just, as I pray, you respond to the Lord. If you want to say, Lord, give me that framework, then you're just asking, Lord, please help me to develop that framework. And then if you want to say, Lord, I'm willing to take risk for you, then you just say that to him. Thank you, Lord, that you... You know, I encourage some of us this morning to step out and take risk. Thank you, Lord, for a willingness to take risk. Not foolish risk, but faith risk, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for willingness to receive impartation. If you want to be willing to receive impartation, then you say that to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you open our hearts to impartation and, and that you also open us to impart. Make us willing to give what we have, Lord, to share the grace that you've given us, each one of us. We might be a body that glorifies you. If you have fear in your mind, to want to get a, a framework of understanding is not wrong, but to fear is not of God. Thank you, Lord, that you remove fear this morning. You need to give your fear to God.